Welcome. You are listening to sermon audio from Day 3 Church in Granite Falls, North Carolina. We invite you to join us online or in person for one of our services. For more information about our church, please visit day3church.org. Day 3 Church, experience a new day in your life. We're going to enter into Romans chapter 12 today, and as we do so, we're actually entering into the last main theme uh, of, the, of the book of uh, Romans, which, by the way, was a letter to start with. I mean, I want to stop and think about that just for a moment. Uh, we've been in Romans pretty much every Sunday since June, I think, the end of June. Uh, so can you imagine if you got a letter like that? Now, some of you are thinking, what's a letter? Because we send emails today or text and things like that. But think about that. Getting a letter like the book of Romans. That's what it was to start with. Now, God, you know, inspired Paul, and it was meant to be included in the canonization of Scripture, so it was meant to be in the Bible. But to start with, it was a letter sent to a group of believers in Rome. That's, I, I don't know, if I got a letter like that just sent to me, I think it would kind of, you know, whoa, you know, kind of blow you away just a little bit to have that much in a letter. Because we've been there, like I said, since, uh, since June. Uh, as we enter the last topic of uh, the book of Romans, he's going to talk about service. But to kind of help us to reflect and see how we have arrived here, because I think it's important to do so, we need to understand what Paul has already written about. Because what he's already written about ought to really speak to us in a huge way about why we ought to serve him. Because he started out in the book of Romans with these topics. He started out writing in the first part of Romans, telling us we're all sinners before God. And because of that, we, we cannot do anything to save ourselves. And then he moved on to the second theme, and he tells us that, that salvation comes from God. Not based upon our works. God gives it to us as a free gift through His grace when we have faith in Jesus Christ. And then, as a result of trusting in Jesus, God sanctifies us, which more or less means God sets us apart. He adopts us into His family. And He does all this based on His own sovereignty, His own sovereign will. God sovereignly chose to offer salvation to sinners, to set us apart unto Himself, make us part of His family. And the God that sovereignly chose to do this <coughs> will never, ever break His promise or take back his, his word. So now think about that. In light of those things, it sounds like to me we ought to serve him, doesn't it? I mean, in light of the fact that I'm a sinner and you're a sinner that deserve to be separated from God for all eternity. And in light of the fact that he saves us by his grace, not by our merit, not by what we do, but by his grace as a free gift. In light of the fact God actually sets us apart to Himself and puts us in His family, in light of the fact that God always keeps His promises, I, I, I'm just saying, sounds like we ought to serve Him. And that's where we arrive in this last topic about service to God. And in chapter 12 alone, we're going to see these topics. Uh, today, we're going to look at this. We need to be living sacrifices on, on God's altar. And then uh, next week, the Lord willing, we're going to talk about being a functioning member of the body. And that simply means this. It takes the whole body, all of us, as part of His church, functioning the way He's made us to really be the body that He wants us to be. Then we're going to talk about practicing an example of love, which you know, we didn't plan it to work out like this, but it's kind of strange that hits around Valentine's. I think maybe gives me some evidence that God did lead us to go through this long study starting back in June. Uh, of the book of Romans. And then the last one, something I, I know it doesn't apply to any of us. None of us need to learn to be patient, do we? Huh? Uh, need of, uh, none of us you know, need to learn to understand that you know, God one day will repay. It's not our place to do so because we want to get them right then when they do something to us. I know that doesn't apply to any of us, but we're going to finish out Romans 12 by talking about patience. Today I want you to look at these verses. Verse 1 and 2. <clears throat> of Romans 12, and I'm actually going to read it in several different translations to start with, and I think you'll understand why I do so, because it kind of helps set the mindset of what we're going to, going to talk about. 
In the English Standard Version, which is a version I've really grown to love and been using for about a year or so now, but he writes these words. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual or your reasonable worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. In the NIV it says this, Also, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all He has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind He will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship Him. Don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. So you see some of the kind of important nuances there. In the message, which is a paraphrased version of, of the Scriptures, it says this. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for Him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what He wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. Once again, kind of some, some important thoughts there to understand what God's intent is. A guy by the name of Kenneth Wee, Kenneth Wee some of you may be familiar with him uh, if you've ever looked at any New Testament word studies and things like that. He's a, a Greek scholar. He did his own expanded uh, translation. To be honest with you, I could almost read what he writes here and then give an imitation and we could go to the house and be done probably because it really clearly lets us know some of the issues before us. I therefore beg of you, please, brethren, through the instrumentality of the aforementioned mercies of God. In other words, all that God has done for us in Christ. By a once-for-all presentation to place your bodies at the disposal of God, a sacrifice, a living one, a holy one, well-pleasing, your rational sacred service, rational in that this service is performed by the exercise of the mind. And stop assuming an outward expression that has not come from within you and is not representative of what you are in your inner being, but is patterned after this age. But change your outward expression to one that comes from within and is representative of your inner being. By the renewing of your mind, resulting in your putting to the test what is the will of God, the good and well-pleasing and complete will, and having found that it meets specifications, place your approval upon it. Today we're talking about how you and I ought to serve God, and one way to do that is by you and I who know Christ, if you've already trusted Christ as your Savior. If you have not, you know, still listen, because at the end, I'll you know, bring some things around for you. But those of us that know Christ as our Savior, it, we, we sometimes might ask, well, how, how can I serve God? Or why can I serve God? So I want to give you some, some reasons why today, as believers, we ought to be living sacrifices on God's altar. We ought to be living sacrifices in this world serving Him. <clears throat> Here's the first reason, reason number one. Be a living sacrifice because of the mercies of God. He said, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. In other words, think about it like this. I'm going to break it down in, in just a moment. But think about it like this. If you cannot find any other reason why you ought to serve God, just look at the mercies of God, what God has done for you as a Christian through Jesus Christ, and that ought to be all you need to have a reason to serve Him. Paul gives us an invitation to start with. He says, I, I appeal to you. In other words, he's not 
legalistically commanding someone and say, you good-for-nothing Christian sitting on your backside, you need to get up and do something for God. He's, he's not given that type of legalistic command. Instead, it's an invitation. He's given an appeal. He's, he's inviting us to serve God. He uses a word that means to call near. So literally, Paul is kind of doing this. He, he's saying, I, I'm appealing to you based on all God has done for you. Come alongside of me. Come near to me and let's serve God. He, he's given us an invitation. He's invoking the fact that, that you and I ought to serve God because of what he has done for us. And if you will bear in mind that what Paul writes is divinely inspired, so that means it is the Word of God, you really get this picture. You have the God of all the universe inviting us to come and stand beside Him. Come hand in hand with God and serve Him in the world that we live in. An invitation that He gives us. Not just an invitation, but He also gives us the incentive. An incentive why you and I ought to be living sacrifices, why we should, should serve God. He said, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God. That, that word that he uses, therefore, in the, in the Greek is something we just kind of read across in English and don't think about. But the word he uses there means certainly or accordingly. And he, and he uses the word, you know, by, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God. That means that's the, the, the channel, the reason why. So, so he is, is telling us because of God's mercies, because of God's pity, because God has had compassion upon us. And literally, when you look at the way this is structured in, in the original Greek, what Paul is basically doing is saying this. Go to Romans chapter 1, go to the first part of my letter, read everything from there up till now. Here's why you ought to serve God. You ought to serve God because you were a sinner that deserved to spend eternity in hell. You ought to serve God because He saved you by His grace, not because of your merit. You ought to serve God because He set you aside and sanctified you. You ought to serve God, God because He's sovereign, He's in control, and He never ever breaks His promises. Look at all God has done for you in Christ. And He's saying, that's why, that's the incentive why you should serve God because of everything that He's done for you. I mean, I, I could kind of maybe boil it down and, 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 and say something like this. Uh, if you want an incentive to serve God, just look at the cross. Look at what Jesus did for you there. Look at how Jesus suffered. So, therefore, accordingly or certainly because of what Jesus has done, we ought to serve Him. Because He cared enough to go to the cross and die in our place because He had that kind of pity and that kind of compassion upon us. But I want, to, I want to give you a warning because we're bad to do this as Christians. Understand what I'm talking about. We do not serve God in order that we can obtain mercy. You understand that? We serve Him because we have received His mercy already. Hugely different because in legalistic type approaches, people trying to think they're going to appease God or please God or earn their way to heaven or get the mercy of God by their performance, they somehow get deluded into the fact, well, if I'm just good enough, I can please God enough, and by virtue of that, I will receive His mercy. No, that's not the way it works at all because the Bible says none of us are good, no, not one. The Bible clearly tells us we can't work our way to heaven. It's not by works because we'd boast about it. Instead, it's completely by His Great. So understand that clearly. As we talk about service over these next few weeks in Romans, you're not serving God so you can go to heaven. You're serving God because you're going to heaven. You're not serving God so you can be saved. You're serving Him because you have been saved. That, that needs to be the, the mindset that we have. He, he gives us an invitation and He gives us the motivation or the incentive we need to serve Him. Just look at Jesus on the cross. And then he gives us this instruction. He said, present your bodies as a living sacrifice. He says, I'm inviting you, based upon all that God's done for you, to do this. You need to present your bodies to God as living sacrifices. The word present means to stand beside. So we're being told that we need to come stand beside Jesus. We need to stand beside God. 
by doing so, by presenting our bodies to God, we are exhibiting that we really belong to Him. We are substantiating our faith by serving Him. We need to present ourselves to God to be at hand or be there ready for His beckoning call. And the tense of the verb that's used in the Greek means this. We are to present ourselves once and for all. Say, God, here I am. Not say, well, God, I think I'll do this that you want me to do today, but I don't know about tomorrow. We're not to have that kind of mentality. We're to have the mentality by looking at what God has done for us in Jesus to say, God, in light of what you've done for me once and for all, forever, I'm telling you right now, I'm yours. I belong to you. Here's my body. I'm going to be a living sacrifice for you. You take me and use me however you want to. A once and for all final commitment to God. He said we'll present our bodies to Him and and the word literally means your whole body. You know, the sound body, the body as a, as a whole. It can also be translated sometimes as slave. See, God's not interested in just part of us. God wants all of us. God wants more than just our Sunday mornings. God wants us every day of the week. God wants more than just a part of our heart that we say belongs to Him because He loved us enough to die on the cross and we know we're going to heaven one day. He wants more than just a part of our heart. He wants all of our heart. God wants all of our mind. He wants our hands and our feet. He wants all that we are. And Paul is calling out to us who know Christ as our Savior. And he said, based upon God's mercy, in light of what God has done for you, here's the instruction that I'm giving to you. You need to just present once and for all forever your body to God to be used by Him. And really the reason we ought to do that is simply that we don't belong to ourselves anymore. In in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, the Bible says this, You're not your own, for you were bought with a price, so glorify God in your body. See, if we would really grab hold of that, and not just in our theology, but if we would would apply that practically to our lives, I I don't have a choice. We, We like to feel like, well, it's still my choice. I have a... Listen... God bought you and He paid for you with the shed blood of Jesus on the cross. I don't belong to Lynn Parsons anymore. You don't belong to you anymore. If you've trusted Christ as your Savior and He paid for you, you're His. You belong to Him. That's why we ought to say, God, once and for all, here I am. God, in light of all you've done for me and your Son, here I am. And I'm here to to, to serve you. I'm here to be a, a living sacrifice. See, he's not calling us to be a dead sacrifice. Now understand, Christians have died through history for their faith. And I think the Bible teaches Christians will die, future tense, in history for their faith. But what Paul is talking about here is this. He's talking about our service to God. He's not calling upon us to die. Jesus did that for us. He's calling out for you and I to live for Him. I mean, think about that. Really what He's saying in light of this, in light of the fact that Jesus died for you on the cross, surely you ought to serve God. Surely you ought to present once and for all yourself to God. Surrender yourself to Him once and for all. That once and for all, uh, statement kind of rem- reminds me of a lot of things that the Bible talks about Jesus. We're told in the book of Romans that he, you know, has sat down at the right hand of God the Father. Jesus has, and here's why. He once and for all paid for our sins on the cross. He will never ever go to the cross again. Once and for all, he took care of it. Jesus, when he was dying on the cross, shouted out, it is finished, which literally means this. He's saying, I've done everything necessary for you to be forgiven and have salvation. What he was shouting out when he said that. He said, once and for all, forever. That's the kind of commitment Jesus made for us on the cross. He said, here I am, here's all that I am, 
And once and for all, forever, I have put myself on the cross for you. See, as Christians, the, the word Christian literally means little Christ. So as Christians, you and I as believers, what we ought to do is have the same mentality also. We ought to have a once and for all mentality to where we say, Jesus, because once and for all, you died for me on the cross. Here is my body. Here's my life. Here's all that I am. Once and for all, I'm giving it to you. We ought to be living sacrifices upon the altar in light of all that God has done for us in light of his his mercies number two reason why you and i who know christ as our savior if in fact you're a christian that we ought to be living sacrifices is this because doing so is is the least you can do i want to tell you you might want to come out if you're taking notes and following along you might want to come out and write beside that it's also the most you can do The least that we can do in light of what He's done for us ought to be to serve Him, but it's also the most we can do. That's what He calls us to do, to serve Him. He said, I'm inviting you to once and for all present your bodies to God as a living sacrifice. And then He says, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Now, some translations say, which is your reasonable worship. And, and here's, here's why. You'll understand that a little bit more as we, as we look at some of the words that he used there. But, but more or less the thought is this. Since Jesus died for us, surely the least, the least we can do is to, to live for him. He uses the word holy there. And that means sacred. So by you and I presenting our bodies as a living sacrifice to God, it's like we're saying, God, I, I'm sacred to you. God, I am consecrated to you. God, I, I, I belong to you. It's kind of the attitude that, that we're to have. And he said that when we do so, that's acceptable, that's fully agreeable, that's good and well. It fits the idea of even an exciting emotion. So it literally, it's like Paul is telling us this. When you and I present our bodies once and for all to God, it's like it even excites God himself that we are doing that in light of what Christ did for us on the cross. That we are to present our bodies, and by doing so, it'd be something that is, that is fully agreeable to God. And the word God means He's the supreme God. So if you think about that, who else would you want to present your body to? What else is worth giving your life to? What else is worth serving? Other than Him, because He's the one that's the supreme God. And, and then He says this, he says that your, your spiritual, and like I said, some translations say reasonable service. The word literally means rational or it means logic or logical. We get our English word logic from it. it the, the root word that it's built from it is the word logos, which is a word that was used to refer to Jesus. As Jesus being God in the flesh, the word of God becoming alive. Jesus being the, the very expression of God in, in, in God's Word in, in human form. But Paul is telling us it's just logical. Now, honestly, think about that. Should, should that not be the case? Remember what we've already been talking about. I'm a sinner that deserved to spend all eternity in hell, and He saved me. By His grace and His mercy, isn't it just kind of logical that I ought to serve Him? He, he took me and put me in His family, adopted me through faith in Jesus. So isn't it kind of logical that I ought to serve Him? God promises me salvation when I believe in His Son, and God will never ever take His word back. So God being that type of God who promises me everlasting life by believing in Jesus, isn't it just kind of logical, reasonable, that we ought to say, God, here I am. Here's, here's all my life. Here's all that I am. See, we're talking about reasons why we ought to serve God. And, and Paul is kind of telling us the least you can do is also the, the most you can do. But, but we, we ought to think about it in those terms. It's the most logical, rational, and spiritual thing we can do is to, is to serve Him. The word logos, I told you a moment ago, was used to uh, refer to Jesus being the very expression of God's Word. 
in human form. God in the flesh. Maybe we ought to also apply it to ourselves like this in light of what Paul's writing here. You and I presenting our bodies as once and for all living sacrifices to God is the most reasonable thing we can do because it's, it's also a very spiritual thing to do. God wants you and I, along with Christ, not in the same way because He's God in the flesh, but if you've received Christ as your Savior, God lives in you. So just maybe God wants you and I to be visible expressions of His Word in this world to where people see us as we serve Him. And they understand we are giving them a picture of God's heart, a picture of God's love, a picture of who God is as we serve Him. It ought to be the, the, the least thing that, that we can, can do. And he said it's a spiritual or, or reasonable form of, of worship. Do you understand that worship is not just something you do at church? We tend to talk about it like that. Now, well, let's go to worship today. Or we're going to have a worship service. See, we can worship God not just here on Sunday morning. We can worship God wherever we are. And do so in the way God desires. If we would say, God, here I am. Here's all of me. Once and for all, take my body as a living sacrifice. And as we live for Him in this world, we can worship Him and have a worship experience each and every day of our lives. Not just about Sunday morning. God wants us all the time. Number three, here's the third reason why we ought to be living sacrifices. The third reason why we ought to serve God as Christians is this. We can be the... What, what I use the phrase, you probably most of you understand it. If not, I'll explain it. But, but be a living sacrifice is the antithesis of this world. Antithesis means the exact opposite. God does not call us as Christians to go along with the flow of the world and be just like the world. He calls us, instead of to conformity with the world. He calls us to be transformed. Look what he says in these verses. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. See, the, the, the world, the thesis of the world is this. The thesis of the world is conformity. That's the mindset of the world. That's the ideology of the world. The world desires for people to conform to it. The world system is what it's talking about. He's, Paul is saying, don't be faction-like. Don't be conformed to the pattern of the world. Don't fashion yourself according to the pattern of the world. Don't, you know, don't be united with the world in the way that you live. He, he's basically telling us this. We don't need to be conformed to our culture. He's saying don't do that. Don't be conformed to this age, this world system. Don't think of the word world here as this little globe that we live on that's floating in space. He's talking about a world system or our culture. As believers, He wants us to present our bodies as a living sacrifice to Him in light of all that He's done for us, in light of all of His mercies. And instead of going along with the flow of the world, He says, don't be conformed to that. But you do realize that's the goal of the world, don't you? Can, can I illustrate that with some... Uh, current, I'm not trying to get political or anything like that, so please understand me to start with, and I'll... Uh, I'll put a context to, to all these things as I go, but, but just consider some controversial issues that are in our culture today. Abortion, for instance. The people that are really pro-abortion, for the most part, they don't want any other viewpoint presented because they feel like that's their right. And they don't like Christians speaking up in a pro-life format. Because the mentality that the world wants to have, it's, it's okay to live frivolously however you want to in your sexual life. And if you, in doing so, conceive a baby, you can just kind of get rid of it like a cold and, and go to a doctor. But the Bible, the reason I'm telling you we need to not be conformed with, with the world 
is this, and if you're someone who's had an abortion, please understand, I'm not trying to bash you. I have ministered to people, and I've seen people's hearts and lives broken because of things like abortion taking place. I am not trying to bash anyone. I'm just trying to tell you what God's will is and what God's will is not. And we as believers are not supposed to conform to the world opinion about things like this. You see, the pro-life movement will say uh, life begins at conception. I disagree with that. Do you want to know why I disagree with that? Because in the Psalms, the Bible tells me this. God wrote my description in his book before I was ever even conceived in my mother's womb. Life doesn't begin when a sexual act took place, when a baby's conceived. Life begins in the heart of God. So God lets us clearly know that, that that's not his will. What about the homosexual lifestyle? Once again, I am not trying to slam. You know, if you, if you wrestle with that, if you have friends that wrestle with that, uh, I'm not trying to, to, to slam someone and put somebody down. Most of you know that come to this church that we are very open to anyone coming and attending here because if someone's going to hear the truth, I mean, where are they going to hear it at? They're going to hear it here, and they need to hear it in a, in a loving and a correct fashion. The problem with the church when it gets on homosexuality a lot of times is we make it sound like it's a sin to itself, but if you'll read some of the verses in the Bible about that, it also puts it in the list along with lying and things like that, which we're guilty of, gossip and things like that, which we're guilty of. So it's, it's homosexuality sexuality is sin yes it is guess what we're guilty of other sins ourselves. if it might not be that one so it's not a sin unto itself the way our culture tries to or the way the church culture tries to make it out to be but our culture wants to do this our culture wants to tell the church to shut up and they don't want to hear the truth of god's word about it but the bible clearly stands against homosexuality because it's a sin like other sins that we're guilty of. But our culture wants us to conform to their mentality. One we just went through recently in North Carolina because of the, uh, of the, the marriage amendment that was voted on, on here and everything. And, 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 and people were saying, well, you know, we want our, our rights and everything like that in order, you know, so, so we ought to just accept that, that it's okay for a marriage to be a man and a man or a, or a woman and, and, and a woman, or what and a what, you know, uh, sometimes, I guess, uh, and, and all. But the, uh, the, the Bible clearly defines what marriage is and what marriage isn't. To see the, but, the, but the world wants us to conform to the world. And, and what I'm trying to get you to see is, is this. is not that we are to be hateful with, with those people. God, I hated some of the arguments and stuff I saw take place during the marriage amendment. People just seething at each other. Even Christians doing that. That's not what we're called to do. We're called to present truth in a loving way. But you see, our culture calls us to agree with them. To conform to them. And Paul says, don't conform with your culture. Instead, you need to be transformed. The thesis of the world is conformity. The antithesis of God's kingdom is this. The antithesis of God's kingdom is transformation. Instead of being conformed to the world, he said, but, and that means other things, you know, contrary-wise, there's something else you ought to do. Instead, be transformed by the renewal of your mind. The, the word that he uses for transform, we get our English word metamorphosis from, the Greek word that's used here. And uh, most of you are familiar with that image of metamorphosis. You, you've seen it in, uh, maybe on television, watching a science program, or you studied it in school, and you've got this you know, little ugly worm like a caterpillar, and it you know, climbs in, into a cocoon that is spun and, and, and made, and while it's in there, from the inside out, a metamorphosis, a transformation happens, when it comes out from the cocoon, it's a beautiful butterfly. That, that's the idea that's being given here. You should see, apart, apart from God's Word, we're just kind of like an ugly little worm of some type. But God has a cocoon for us that we can climb in, the Word of God. And we can go inside God's cocoon, the Word of God, and God will take His Word and transform our minds. Instead of us conforming to the world around us, He calls us to be transformed, be changed from the inside out. The world is trying to conform us from the outside in, and He's telling us we need to be changed as Christians through the Word of God from the inside out. 
to where our thinking is changed, our mindset is changed. He, he tells us that we need to renovate, renew our whole thought process, the way we think, the way we feel. And we do that by the Word of God. Wherever your, your head goes in a lot of physical ways, your, your body goes. Is that not true? For instance, in, in some sports things, uh, divers, for instance, that do the springboard diving and everything like that, they, you know, it's very important where their head goes because their body's kind of going to follow. So as they're doing the dive, they have to put their head in a certain way to roll and tuck and everything and for the dive to go like it, like it should. The, the direction that the, that the head goes for a gymnast when they're trying to perform in a certain way, the, the way the head goes, that also kind of dictates where the, where the body goes. And you see, that's, that's true not just of athletes like that. It's, it is literally true of us. It better be. If not, you've got a major problem. If your head's going one way and your body's going the other way, I don't know what to do for you. In a physical way. The, the way I related to that this week when I was studying it uh, had to do because I, most of you know I, I got interested in motorcycles again. I had a motorcycle uh, years ago right after Becky and I were married and about a year and a half ago or so I got interested in, in motorcycles again. Well, one of the things that, that uh, motorcycle instructors will tell you is that you need to look the direction that you want to go. And, and that doesn't mean look right at the pavement in front of you because if, you, if you're doing that, you're in a world of hurt. If you want to do a U-turn, you don't watch the pavement and do like this. You turn your head to see where you want to go, and you take the motorcycle in that direction. Ken and me were talking about it, you know, one time and everything. If you come around a curve and, and something's there, you, you don't focus on the thing that's there. Someone's pulled out in front of you. If you do, guess what you're going to do? You're going to run into it if that's where you're focused. Instead, you look at your escape route the way you want to go, and that's the way it follows. Well, uh, apply that to us spiritually for a moment. He's calling us to present our bodies to God once and for all as living sacrifices and not to be conformed to the world, but instead have our very thought processes transformed. And the way we do that is to put our head in the Word of God. Because where our head is, that's where our heart follows and our body can follow. As we spend time in, in the Bible and the Word of God. You see, the problem is, we're talking about not being conformed by the world, but being transformed by, by God's Word, letting it renew our mind. Here's the problem. We're fighting a losing battle. Most of you are. And, and, and don't take offense, I said most of you, but I, I'm just going by what I see, okay? What I mean by that is this. Weigh out the amount of time you're in culture. Weigh out the amount of time you're in front of the television. Weigh out the amount of time that you're living out in the world. Weigh out the amount of time that the world is saying, conform, 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 conform. Weigh that against the amount of time you're in the Word of God and God wanting to transform your life. You see why we're fighting a losing battle? Because regrettably, a lot of people think this is like some uh, Christian accessory that we put on when we go to church. And we carry it with us to church, and then we go home and we put it up on the shelf, and the next time we decide to go to church, we get our Christian accessory on again, and we, and we wear it to church. I, I hope this is not any of you I'm talking about, so I don't remember who it was, but it's happened several times over my course in the, the ministry, so I'm not trying to expose you or anything, but it's happened Happened several times. I, I've had over the course of ministry several times. Someone will come and say, I, "I've lost my Bible, and I think I might have left it here at church." If you see my Bible, and and I, you know, if I if I have, we've saved it for somebody. We'll normally call and and let them know and everything. But a lot of times, I'll, I'll, I'll ask, "Well, I, I've not seen it. When was the last time you had it?" Oh, about a month ago. And I just realized this week it was missing. You understand you just told me more about yourself than you meant to? Unless you've got a specialized Bible you carry to church and a specialized Bible you have at home. 
God wants our minds to be transformed. It won't happen without us spending time in, in the Word of God. He, he doesn't want us to be conformers. He wants us to be transformed daily, becoming more like Jesus. He's calling us to present our bodies as a living sacrifice once and for all. And in order for that really to work like it should, before God can really use my body, I, I need to let Him transform my thought process. I need to let Him change my mind by His Word to make the rest of me usable. To emphasize that, I want to point out some other verses before we move on uh, real quickly. Psalm 119, and uh, of course, Psalm 119, most of you know this, is a huge book in the Bible about the Word of God. It says, how can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your Word. With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I've stored up your, your Word in my heart that I, that I might not sin, that I may not sin against you. You know why it's really strategic for us to do that, for us to store it into our minds and into our heart? Because typically when you're out here living in the world and, and temptation hits, you don't have your Bible right there where you can say, oh, time out a minute, I need to look here and see what my response should be. That's why we need to store it in our hearts and in our minds so we can call it up and know what our response should be based upon the Word of God. Instead of allowing the world to conform us, we are transformed by what the Bible says. It also says this in Psalm 119, Forever, O Lord, your word is firmly fixed in the heavens. It's not like it's changed since he wrote it. You can read it and discover what his will is still today. The Bible says your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. So, so we take a lamp and a light when we're in the darkness trying to see which way we should go. And, and folks, I hope you're aware of this. We live in a pretty dark world. And for me to understand how I'm to live in this dark culture that we live in, instead of being conformed by it, I need to allow God to transform me by reading His Word and by applying His Word. You see, if the world is controlling your thinking, you're a conformer. If, if God controls your thinking, then, then you're a transformer. He's wanting to, to transform you as you memorize and meditate upon, upon God's Word. God wants us to be conformed to His will, which brings this up. The last, the last point is this. Why should we be a living sacrifice? We should be a living sacrifice by performing the will of God. Paul closes out verse 2, and he, he writes these words, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Now, uh, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on these words, but... You, the, the test means to approve. You're, 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 you're approving God's Word. You're, you're allowing it, it to transform your mind so you can understand what His, what His will is. To find out what God's determination, what God's choice is, what God's wish is, what God's preference is, what God's delighted in, what would be the will of God. We ought to be interested in that because He's boss. He's the supreme deity. He's God. And by us allowing God's Word to transform our mind to His will... It's good. It's beneficial for us. It's acceptable. It's fully agreeable and well-pleasing with God. It's perfect. And the word perfect means to be complete or full of age, but the root word means it's the point aimed at or the destination or the goal that we have. Now, someone's going to probably be real literal with me because people do that. They'll look at it really literal and they'll say, well, Paul said that he's inviting us to present our bodies as a living sacrifice to God because of what Jesus has done for us. And instead of being conformed by the world, we need to have our mind transformed so we can know the perfect will of God. So somebody will get real literal and say, he doesn't say so we can do or perform the perfect will of God. But if that's, your, if that's going to be your argument, you're getting way, way, way too literal. Because can I ask you a question? What good is it to know the perfect will of God if you don't apply it to your life? It will not transform you. It won't make any change in your life and yes, you, unless you apply it. Paul's telling us here that, that we ought to be servants of God, that we ought to serve God. 
We ought to do so because of the mercies of God, because what He has done for us. We, we, ought, to, we ought to do so because God desires just to take us and use us for His glory. He, he wants us to be transformed. He wants all that we are. It's the least we can do in light of what Jesus did for us on the cross is to serve Him. I can remember somebody praying one time in a garden when they were struggling with some stuff. And the person's name was Jesus, and what Jesus prayed was this, not my will, but thy will be done. See, that's, that ought to be our prayer as Christians. Not about my will. Not about your will. It's about what His will is for our life. In all this section, as he closes out the book of Romans, chapter 12 through 16, he's writing about serving God. And really, if you think about it, serving God just means this. You're performing what His will is. It starts foundationally with just saying, God, here I am. Here is all of me. Once and for all, I am giving you my life. And instead of being conformed to the world, let let Him transform your life in the way that you think through His Word. More or less, what we've looked at today, Paul said this, give God your body, give God your mind, and give God your will. And you can boil it down by, he's just saying yield. We We need to yield to Him. I think I mentioned this last week or the week before one. I reposted something on my Facebook recently that was not original with me. I saw where somebody else had posted it. But it said this. It said next time the offering plate comes by, and we're going to be taking up an offering in a few moments uh, here. Um, and uh, it said the next time the offering plate comes by, jump in it. And the reason I bring that up right now, because when we do receive our offering in just a moment, you need to understand... Receiving an offering is an act of worship also. And you need to understand this. When we receive uh, an offering, instead of you just thinking about, well, I'm just throwing money in. No, that, you know, that's fine to do. But here's the deal. He wants you to jump in it. He wants all of you. He wants you to, once and for all, give Him your body and your life. But before we do that, some of you probably already put two and two together. Inside the updates today, there's a piece of paper with a question on it. And if you did not get a copy of the updates today, we have several pieces of paper, just like it, still up here on the stage with several pens close by. And what I'm going to ask you to do during the invitation is this, is is to even right now start asking yourself, what, what is it that you need to nail to the cross? I mean, a lot of what we're talking about today, maybe you just need to say, I, I, need, to, I need to give God my service because I've not really done that as I should. I've kind of served Him, but I've not really, you know, once and for all presented my body to Him. So maybe you just need to write down me. You know, I, I'm giving Him my service. Possibly you're someone that's never, ever trusted in Jesus, so maybe you need to write down you know me. I'm giving God myself for the first time. I'm believing in Jesus. And you know, if that's what you write down, and as the band plays in a moment, and you bring it and stick it on the cross, if you're saying you're, you're trusting in Jesus this morning for the first time, I also want you to go to the cross and then come and, and let me know that. We're, we're getting ready to start our small groups here. A small group Bible study, and, and, and we need that type of fellowship and that type of communion and, and to study the Bible together and to hold each other accountable and to, to pray for each other. And possibly you've never been part of a small group, or maybe you have, and, and you're unsure if you're going to do it this time or not. Well, why not write down that as your commitment? I'm going to be part of a small group, bring it up and, and attach it to the nails on the cross, and then go out in the lobby and sign up for a small group before you leave today. Maybe you need to volunteer because we need more volunteers in our children's department and with our youth and and doing other things. Maybe God's calling you to volunteer because we're talking about serving Him in this whole section of Romans. So possibly you need to write down, I I want to volunteer, whatever it is, and, and, and bring it. Maybe there's some sin in your life that you've still been holding on to, that you're still kind of reserving for your... 
for yourself. And God wants all of us. He wants our whole being. Maybe you need to write down that sin, whatever it is, and bring it and put it on the cross. You might be thinking, man, Pastor, you gave me a list. I can't get it all on here. We've got more slips of paper at the front. I understand. I thought through this myself, too. I've got junk I need to write down. Someone has uh, said this once in an anonymous statement. I don't know who said it. I just read the quote this week. But it, but it says this, The main problem with a living sacrifice is that it keeps crawling off the altar. God wants us to be living sacrifices, but we kind of jump on and then we get off. What we need to do today maybe is this, is say what Paul is encouraging us to do. God, once and for all, I present myself at your disposable. You use me as you desire. Let's pray. Father, God, guide our hearts and our minds right now and our just help us to be completely transparent before you. Lord, if we have hidden sins in our life that we're practicing that we know is against your will, God, help us just to put it down and give it to you. Father, if we're being more conformed by the world and we're being conformed and transformed by, by your word, Father, I, I pray right now that, that you help us to make serious, honest commitments to allow you to transform our lives and not the culture that we live in. God, speak to us and help us to be honest. God, if we need to volunteer, if we need to be involved in a small group, God, if we, we need to go on a mission trip, God, whatever it is you're calling us to that we've stood a distance from, Father, I, you call us to be living sacrifices. You call us to serve you. God, you tell us in light of your mercies, in light of all that you've done for us in Christ, it's the most logical, reasonable thing we can do is to present our bodies to you as sacrifices, our lives to you as sacrifices. God, help us to make commitments right now that change our lives and that you use to change the lives of others. Which in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to this sermon audio production from Day 3 Church. We pray that it has ministered to you. For more information about our location, service times, or other sermon podcasts, please visit us online at day3church.org. Day 3 Church. Experience a new day in your life.